turn with me to the book of Luke chapter 9. The book of Luke chapter 9. Want to take our text tonight from verses 51 through 57. Um, there's basically just two scriptures that I want to draw us to tonight, but I feel like it's necessary to read um, this passage so we can kind of lay a groundwork. Luke 9 and 51, and if you have that, would you say amen? And it came to pass when the time was come that he should be received up, he steadfastly, everybody say steadfastly, set his face to go to Jerusalem and sent messengers before his face. And they went and entered into a village of the Samaritans to make ready for him. And they did not receive him because his face was as though he would go to Jerusalem. And when his disciples James and John saw this, they said, Lord, Wilt thou, we command fire to come down from heaven and consume them even as Elias did? But he turned and he rebuked them and said, You know not what manner of spirit ye are of. For the Son of Man is not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. And they went to another village, and it came to pass that as they went into the way, a certain man said unto him, Lord, I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. Say that with me. Say, Lord. I will follow thee. I will follow thee. I'm a person that particularly likes a catchy slogan or, or a catchy title, you know. Coke said, have a Coke and smile. And Lay says, I bet you can't just eat one. And you can't. Who's ever opened a bag of Lay's potato chips and eat one? You know, it's something that grabs your attention. And I'm the same way with sermons if, if it's kind of got a catchy title, it can remind me of what the sermon is about. And I don't have a catchy title tonight. <laughs> I tried, and uh, all I can come up with tonight is uh, I'm, I'm just going to preach to us a little bit from this topic. Don't quit fighting. Don't quit fighting. I love you, Lord. I'm thankful for the spirit that we have felt in this house tonight. Thankful for the move of the Holy Ghost and how you have touched our hearts and our minds and I'm thankful that we've been able to gather here at an appointed time and appointed place and lift and magnify your name and song and worship but Lord I'm asking right now as we break open the bread of life that you would touch our hearts and minds Lord we have no idea what some may have stepped through to get to church tonight and I'm just asking you that the cares and the weight of this world be left alone for just a minute help us to set that aside for just a minute and let the word of God insinuate itself into us and I ask for your anointing tonight in the name of Jesus and the whole house said amen before you're seated turn to your neighbor and tell them church is better because they're here Praise the Lord. Amen. In the light of all that is happening in the church world today, and what I mean by that is we so see so many people falling away and men and women walking away from, and not just uh, Pentecostal apostolic church, I'm talking about as a whole, we see a falling away or a neglecting of church and and we see what I call, 
what I would like to call, and we see a lot of theme park churches. You know, program after program and free giveaways and coffee houses and donut shops and fancy light shows while worship is going on. And I'm not throwing rocks at any of that, but, but the whole ministry is geared to entertain people. And what we need today is we need the Word of God to guide and instruct us. And, and when, you look at, when you look at the world that we live in, this ever-changing culture of society that surrounds us and the sin that is put on display all around us every day with no remorse or no guilt, uh, when you see how drastic things have changed just over the last 30 or 40 years. This, this is a different world that we're living in today. And if I could respectfully pause and say, you know, there's a lot of people that are quick today to jump up on a stump and blame it on our youth. And I, I, I'm going to have to disagree with that because it's not our youth's fault. What we see transpiring and taking place in our world today started two or three generations ago. That's why they were told in the Old Testament, you talk about it when you rise, you talk about it when you go down, you constantly, constantly talk about the name of the Lord and the blessings of the Lord. I was fortunate enough as a, as a child to be raised in a two-parent home that put their focus and the center of their attention on the house of the Lord. We have children today, some who don't even have parents in a home. They're living with grandmothers and they're living with aunts and uncles and they can only do what they see or what they learn. So I think we do our youth a great injustice and a great disservice when we say the problems of this world today is because of our youth. And if we're not careful as a church and as an organization and as a body of Christ to seize the opportunity that is set before us to help our youth and to make our youth better, we're going to find ourselves in a critical, should the Lord tarry, we're going to find ourselves in a critical situation in 20 years from now. We, we, we need more than ever to set our plow against what the world is trying to push and insinuate in the lives of our children. And we need to be a support and a help to them. But in, in spite of all the problems that are in the church world, in spite of all the problems that's in the world around us, we have to understand that at the end of the day, God, God is still God. God is still God. We, we have to understand that in spite of all the chaos that we, that we see around us and the destruction that seems to have a hold on society, we have to remember that God is in control. And he still sits on the throne. It's so easy. I, I, I know I can relate to this. It's easy to get caught up in the politics and the stock market and what are our economies doing and, and what the future of our country, where it's headed. And I love this country. And I want to see this country be the best that it can be. But it doesn't matter who has control of the Congress. It doesn't matter who has control of the House. It doesn't matter who's living in the White House. At the end of the day, God's running all this. He's, he's, he's handling all this. And everything 
that we see transpiring around our world today. There's nobody being elected, nobody being put into position. There's nothing taking place without the hand of God orchestrating it to fulfill the prophecies that he has set forth. And in in spite of the devil and his adversaries that seek to destroy our lives and the lives of our children through media, in our schools, in our workplaces, and in our communities, God's still in control. Facebook and Instagram and all the, all the junk you see on that does not take God by surprise. And he works for those. God works for those who will make a conscience decision to say, I will continue on. I'll keep the faith. I'll keep being faithful to the house of the Lord. I'm going to remain vigilant to my prayer life. I'm going to stay consistent in my Bible study. And I refuse to quit or give in. I will not quit. You know, and, and sometimes in church we can point the finger and we can say, well, this is the reasons why I don't get involved or do this. Or perhaps we point fingers at others and say, well, I'm not a part of this or that because of them. But, but whoever we try to blame or whatever we try to blame, whatever that is and whoever they are, they did not die for us. Jesus Christ died and even at times... Even at times when we've betrayed him, even at times when we were a long way from God, he continued to go to the cross for you and I. The word says he knew me before I was formed. He knows the beginning from the end. So think about this with me, if you will, for a minute. If he he knew me before I was formed, before Lana knew she was going to have a handsome, bouncing baby boy, God knew it. He knew the life I lived. He knew the wretched sinner I would be. He knew how far to the bottom of the barrel I would go. But yet he still made that trip up Galgotha Hill and hung on a cross and bled and died for me above all. We, we serve a God who has will never understand, maybe on the other side, we'll understand how much love he really has for us. But on this side of earth, I don't think we can ever understand the love. The road to being born again begins and continues on a foundation of forgiveness. Not on a promise of protection and help in a difficult world. We never never promise that we're going to be protected from things that take place on this world. The reality is, is that an eye for an eye makes everybody blind. And we've got to realize that forgiveness is a necessity that is desperately needed and it is a desire amongst a dying and sinful generation. And Jesus is the example of forgiveness and true redemption that goes on and on and he will never disappoint. And this points out a remarkable truth about how determined Jesus really was. In the first verse that we read, verse 51, it uses the word steadfastly. And the meaning of steadfastly means in a resolutely or dutiful, firm, and unwavering manner. This is important for us to understand because Jesus is firmly headed to the cross. He's committed to the task at hand. He's not allowing anyone or anything to stop him on this journey to this gruesome death. If you knew you were about to die when you reached the top of the hill, it'd be hard to climb the hill. But he didn't stop. He was prepared. He knew his mission. and He wasn't going to allow anything to stop him. Too many lives at stake. Too many souls that hang in the balance. Nothing 
Nothing was going to deter Jesus from his task and he was not allowing anything to be a stumbling block. The Bible says he was steadfastly. And the first point I want to make on that this evening, and if you're counting, there are three points I'm going to make. The first point is, I know why I'm here. Now this is a very common question in many troubled young people and even in adults today. There's a lot of 40 plus year olds that don't even know why they're here. But the question is, why am I here? Now this is normally answered by people who lack wisdom and truth and they often give you the wrong answer to the question that I just proposed to us. They say, they say things like, well, you need to search it out and you need to just take this journey of life and maybe by the time you reach retirement, you'll understand your purpose and you'll know why you're here. Well, the question has already been answered. God already wrote in His Word that we were created and placed here for His purpose. Scripture gives a clear understanding that we were all created for the purpose to glorify God. Ephesians 2.10 For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Jesus understood and He knew His purpose and in this, he's sure to help us understand ours. People are always trying to find their niche or their, their purpose or their calling to, to no avail because for the most part, they're not searching for the things of God. They're searching for material things in life and they end up continuing on this miserable journey and at the end of their life, they never achieve what they thought. There was never no gold at the end of the rainbow. And yet here is Jesus, the Savior of the world, who understands that he was brought to this earth to die for us. He knew his purpose, and he was steadfast, and his work was not to be deterred or disregarded. It was not to be abandoned. Matthew 16 and 21 says, From that time forth began Jesus to show unto his disciples that he must go unto Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised again the third day. Jesus knew his mission, and he clearly spoke the truth to all the world. And when he said, I must go to the cross for you, I must be a sacrifice to you, his desire was to please the Father and save you and I. And that was the reason that he could stay focused, because he knew his mission, and he had a goal that he was trying to achieve. So the question I pose to us this evening and, and don't even try to answer this tonight. Roll this around for a few days. But I, what is your desire? And what is your reason for staying focused? In other words, what do you want to do for God? And what drives you to do it? Or is there anything that you want to do for God? See, once you know why you're here, once we know why we're here, it's then and only then that we can find satisfaction in our God-given mission. When I understand my purpose and calling, it's then I can be satisfied and live in peace. We must understand that we were created for a purpose greater than ourselves. And we were created for a mission that will outlive us, that will bless our children. And I, tonight I'm not talking about money or property or toys or material things, but I'm talking about the purpose of God's glory being evident in our life and the lives that we touch. 
You and I were put here to help bring others to light. Jesus died a horrific death. And what was that death for? To spread light and show light to all the world and to, to, to be a savior. And so what are you and I here for? Just to take up space? Just to get up every morning and go to work and come home and go back to bed and then do it all over again the next day? We're here to be a ray of hope. We're called to be the evidence of God's saving grace. I'm a living, walking, breathing testimony of the power of the Holy Ghost. We're called to be a spiritual firefighter. We're supposed to put out the fire and try to help save people from hell. That is why we're here. The second point I want to make this evening is bumps and bruises. Now you already know this, and I'm not trying to insult your intelligence, but I'm going to say it anyway because it's reality and it's truth. This life living for the Lord is going to leave you with some scars. It's going to take you some places that when you get out from under all the rubble, you're going to be left with some bumps and some bruises. But let me encourage you this evening. It's going to be worth it all. When you're going through it, you're going to want to quit. When sweat's pouring down your face and there's dirt in your mouth, you're going to want to throw in the towel. And you're going to want to quit and you're going to say, I don't know how much longer I can endure this. There's going to be times where all the tears you cried and all the blood that's been spilt is going to blind you. And you're not going to be able to see clearly. And when you can't see clearly, you're going to be tempted to make decisions that you'll regret. But we've got to keep in our mind and we've got to keep it aware of what's at stake. First of all, what is at stake if you quit is your peace of mind. What's at stake if you quit is the covering of your family. What's at stake if you quit is your children and your grandchildren. The saving of countless souls and your soul is what's at stake. So I know sometimes we pray and we pray and we've prayed for that spouse and they never seem to come to church. They never seem to be moved by your prayers and it's times you just say, what is the use? And I want to quit. There are times when we have prayed for wayward children for year after year after year and we wonder, God is not moving. Will he ever move? I can't even get them to come to church and we want to quit. There are times when we pray for family members and we can't seem to, to break through the hold that the enemy has on them and we say what is the use but I want to tell you tonight we must keep fighting we must keep pressing forward we cannot quit Paul said to the Corinthian church in 2 Corinthians 4 and 16 for which cause we faint not but through our outward man perish yet the inward man is renewed day by day for our light affliction Hear this now, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding eternal weight of glory. And while we look not at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporal. All this around us. Those cars in the parking lot, that bed you going to lay down in tonight, that job you go to tomorrow is all going to be burned up. But we're laying up treasures in heaven. There's some eternal things that we need to put our minds set forth to. Timothy said in 1 Timothy 6 and 12, he said, Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life 
whereunto thou art also called and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. The writer says, fight a good fight. There's some things, ladies and gentlemen, that if we want to see God move and we want to see things happen in the kingdom of God, the Word of God says that you got to take it by force. And there's some things that we're going to have to get serious about. I'm, I'm not talking about praying about it 10 minutes in the morning, and I, I'm not being disrespectful. I'm not talking about it praying about it 10 minutes in the morning and waiting to see if God will answer it by 5 that afternoon. But I'm talking about finding a place to get down to on our face before God and saying, God, I will not get up till I feel I have an answer from you or till I know that you've moved in my life. There's some things that we're going to have to press for and anything worth having, anything worth having is worth fighting for. Let me ask us this. How much is your family worth? How much is that spouse worth that's sitting next to you? How much is your children worth to you? How far would you go to make sure that their life was saved. If you quit fighting, if you throw in the towel, then someday, maybe not here, maybe not on this side of heaven, but someday you're going to have to look at them in the eye, face to face, and you're going to have to give an answer and an explanation why you quit the fight and why you lost out. You're going to have to tell that child why you drug them away from youth camp, why you pulled them out of the youth group, why you quit taking them to men's conference and women's conference and family camp and prayer conference. We're going to be held accountable on judgment day. I believe that. The Bible will back that. We're going to be held accountable on judgment day. We're going to have to, we got to push and keep pressing when it seems we can't go on. See, whether you're saved or not, Whether you're saved or not, you're going to leave this world with some scars. So so why why not leave it living for the Lord? And don't don't believe the lie. The the devil, I don't have to tell you this, but he's, he's a liar from hell. And he'll convince us that everything we're growing through It's because there's this God up there sitting on a throne who's having fun dangling us on a string playing with our lives. And he'll have you believe in that if you dwell on it long enough. But see, God knows the end from the beginning. And there's some things that's going to transpire down the road in our lives that we know nothing about. And he's got to get us to a certain place And he's got to get us in a certain situation. See, Josh and Summer ain't here tonight, so I'll pick on them. I love little Jake. He bounces. How old is is Jake? Three, two. Little Jake bounces around up here and worships. And Jake's kind of like me. He can't sit still very much, so he's he's moving back in two. And sometimes they sing a song he don't like. And so he might slip over here and act like he's going to go out this door or climb up on this platform. And Sister Summer, she might get upset. and Josh is about to beat a hole through the snare up there. And me, me not being a father, it's just kind of cute to me. Because first and foremost, what you see up here in him, that's the real Holy Ghost. 
But Josh and Summer's not look, looking at cute little two-year-old Jake like I'm looking at Jake. He's doing no harm. He ain't hurt nothing. Josh is not looking at a two-year-old Jake. See, he's looking at a 15-year-old Jake. He's looking at a 25-year-old Jake. He's looking at a 35-year-old Jake. And he knows if I don't set some boundaries and I don't set some guidelines in his life now, and if he don't understand the difference of what I do and what I don't expect for him, there's going to come a day when he's 30 years old living in my house and I can't do nothing with him. And the same is with us and God and our relationship with him. God's, God's not sitting up there waiting to beat us over the head with a hammer, but he sees down the road where we need to be. So he has to put some guidelines. He has to set some boundaries in our life. Sometimes we've got our boat's got to rock a little bit. We have to go through some storms. But it's so he can prepare us for what we're going to face in the future. Because if you're not prepared for the storm that's coming, and there is a storm coming, if you're not prepared, you will not make it, and you will quit. And we must press forward. We've got to keep pressing forward. The purpose that you and I were created for is so important that it's being warred against in heavenly places. If you were not made for a purpose, then why is the enemy so adamant about keeping you from doing it? The enemy of your soul is so afraid of what we can become. That's why he's constantly warring against us. And that's why he wants to stop it now. I'll go one step further and say this. The devil's more aware of our purpose than we are. And that's why he's trying to stop every fiber of our soul from fulfilling the promises of God in our life. Do you know why it takes so much willpower and determination to have a prayer life? To have a study life? To fast, to get ourselves to the house of the Lord? You know why it takes so much willpower to do that? Because the devil and his hooligans are fighting us as hard as they can to keep us from doing it. That's why it takes so much grit to get up in the morning and pray and, and read. Am I the only one sometimes that comes up against the block? It, it takes a willpower to get up and be faithful. And the reason why that is, it's not because we're lazy or it's not because we don't feel like it. It's not because we don't want to do it. It's because the devil is warring against us to keep us from accomplishing that. Because when you get the word in your heart every morning, when you fall on your knees every morning, the devil knows that whoever you come in contact with that day, you have the potential to change their life. That's why he wants it wars so hard against us. One author said it this way. You will never be entirely comfortable. This is the truth behind being a champion. You are always fighting something. To do otherwise is to settle. So I hate to tell you this tonight, but I'm going to be truthful. If you want to do something for God, and if you want to be something in God, and you want to do something for the kingdom of God, prepare to be warring all the time. Because that's what it's going to take. You may have to fight a battle more than once. You, 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 you may have to go to war more than once over the same thing. But, but we, we can't give up. We've got to keep pressing through and, not, and do not quit. Jesus did what his, his flesh refused to do. He continued 
even when it hurt. Word tells us, and I'm paraphrasing, he said, Father, if it's possible to take this cup from me, nevertheless, your will be done. In other words, Father, is, is there another way? No, Jesus, there's, there's no other way. Okay. Was he tired? Yes. Was he exhausted? <laughs> yes. Was he looking for another way? Yes. But he was not willing to quit. Do we get tired? Yes. We get weary? Yes. But we can't quit. We got to keep pressing through. He was steadfast then and he'll be steadfast now until the end. And he did it till death brought forth life. The third point, and I won't be so long on this point, he, he died so we can live. John 12 and 24, Jesus said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. Every human being on the earth is looking for fruit in their lives. Good life, promotion at work, a successful marriage, Want to do well, good reputation, good kids. Everybody's looking for fruit. But the problem is not everybody is willing to pay the price to have that fruit in their life. And Jesus paid the price. He did so that you and I can live. He died so that we can be his fruit and produce more fruit. In order to do, what we, in order to do that, we must follow. We've got to follow his steps and not create our own in the midst of all of this. Think with me for a moment, if you will. The King of kings, the Lord of lords, and the Prince of peace. He had it all. He had everything. He made everything and created everything. So why didn't he just create somebody to come do what he did? He gave everything he had up so that you and I could have life and life more abundantly. And so tonight, what, what are we willing to give up? What, what are we willing to give it all up for? Will we, will we give it all up for our wife, for our husband, for our kids, for our co-workers, for our friends at school? Will we give it all up for that stranger in the mall? Will we give it all up for men and women that's behind bars and we could go on and on there are lost people everywhere so if we quit if we throw in the towel and say enough is enough where is that going to leave lost souls that hang in the balance and I'll tell you it's a it's a lot of work and I hope this ain't Two in your face, but it's a lot of work to go tell somebody about the wonderful plan of salvation. This Acts 2.38 message, it's work. It's not easy, but once we jump over the hurdle of selfishness and realize that this ain't about Jerry, this is not about me, but this is about him and him being glorified, it's then and only then will we be able to die to ourselves for the sake of others, but to accomplish, to accomplish any of this. You can't finish the race if you quit. 
You'll never get the prize if you quit. I know today, and I'm not beating up on our society. I know it sounds like I am, but they hand out a trophy to everybody. If you don't finish this race, ladies and gentlemen, you ain't getting the trophy. You ain't getting the crown if you don't finish this race. We've got to finish. Would our musicians come, please? When the California gold fever broke out, a man went there leaving his wife in New England with his boy. And as soon as he got there and was going to be successful and, and gain some money, he would send for them. It was a long time before he succeeded and he got enough money. But he eventually had enough and he sent for them. His wife, her heart leaped for joy. So she took their little boy to New York and they got on board a Pacific steamer and they were going to sail around to San Francisco. They had not been at sea before very long before the cry of fire, there's a fire, rang through the ship. And rapidly the fire began to take the ship. And there was a large amount of powder kegs on board. And so the captain knew that the moment that the fire reached those powder kegs, that every man, woman, and child on that boat would perish. So they got out all the lifeboats, but they were too small. And in a minute, every lifeboat was filled and overcrowded. And the last one was just pushing away from the boat when the mother continued to plead with them to please, please take me and my boy. The people in the boat trying to save themselves and not concerned with them says, no, we're full. We cannot take anymore. She refused to let go of the boat and after many tries to force her grasp loose, they were unable and they said, well, we'll take one more. So this woman grabbed her boy and she hugged him and she kissed him. And as she dropped him in the boat, she said, My boy, if you live to see your father, you tell him that I love him, you tell him that I never gave up, and you tell him that I died in your place. Now that's just a a faint picture of a story of what Jesus Christ has done for us. He laid down his life. He died that we might live. So tonight in closing as we stand across this house, I ask you, what will we do for him? What would you say of this young boy if he should speak contemptuous of his mother that went down to her death in a watery grave for him? We would think very ill if he spoke bad of his mother. So when we don't speak the good things of the Lord, when we don't tell others about the goodness that he's done in our life, when we don't tell others how he's picked us up out of the miry clay and set our feet upon a rock, in evidence we're speaking contemptuous of the Lord. And I say tonight, may God help me to never, never quit fighting and be loyal and faithful to the end. Because when he splits that eastern sky and returns to take us home, 
the things of this world and the things that we've had to endure will pale in comparison to what awaits us on the other side. Would you lift your hands across this house tonight? Lord, we love you, Jesus. We thank you for the spirit of the Holy Ghost that we felt in this house, Lord.